I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the GM Shuffle. Why can't you just practice the snaps on the sideline, take the snap exchange, and go forward with the ball? Like, how hard is that? At the end of the day, you know, he's not being able to make the plays. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Stephen Bond, with us on the ones and twos. And you can find us on Twitter at MLombardiNFL. At Femi Abebefe is where you can find me. Michael, wow, what another Sunday that we saw in the NFL. And it started out in western New York with the game of the year to this point. Minnesota Vikings stunning the Buffalo Bills with a seven-point deficit there. They come from behind to win that game in overtime, 33-30. to just the final drive of the fourth quarter had plots and twists and turns alone, but just the game from the start there with Josh Allen surprisingly playing in this game. What a game as the Vikings improved to 8-1, and one, man. Well, I mean, look, you got to give them credit. I mean, they battle, they fight through it, they do what they have to do, but I, it's interesting to me a couple things about this game. First, on our show in the morning, like this whole notion that he wasn't going to play is, is almost comical. When they didn't bring Barkley up, the line shifted, as you saw. Mm-hmm. The line went up almost – it closed, I think, at some seven and a halfs in some shops. You know, and so it moved way up there. So we knew he was going to – we knew he was going to play. The fact he didn't come out for pregame warm-up was almost even more comical because they weren't going to show their hand. They weren't going to tilt what they were going to do. So for me, I, I felt like – you know, and I said it on our show. I said, look, you're, when you get dressed, you're not the backup quarterback. You're, you, you know, <laughs> if you're either going to play or you're not. So he was going to play, and he, and obviously they, you know, he threw, he threw the ball. I didn't see any deficiencies in his arm whatsoever. No. What I saw was deficiencies in the Bills' defense and the Bills' decision making. I mean, you're up twenty-seven to ten at home against a team that's playing outdoors. That's an indoor team on the second road game, a second week of a road game, and, and you can't close that game out, and you let, you know, and you get Kirk Cousins, who gives you two picks, and he fumbles twice in the game, and you don't get those fumbles. I mean, I don't know if you have anybody to blame but yourself. And when the game was, when 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 they don't get the ball on the one-yard line, when they get the ball on the one-yard line, Femi, if you're holding a ticket for three and a half with Buffalo, like I recommended on Chris Russo's show, I'm thinking, okay, that game's over. <clears throat> The game's over. You're going to, you know, it's over. 50 seconds, they don't have a timeout. You're going to win the game. And yet, somehow, this play, I don't know how this play hasn't become immortalized like the miracle of the Meadowlands. I really don't. It, 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 you know, do you remember that? The miracle yeah, of the Meadowlands no, where Prosarchik. Now, remember, words, yeah. right, there's no play clock back in that during this time. So they can't see how much time's on the clock. So the kneel down of the quarterback didn't exist at this point. Because they didn't know how much time they could take down, and it was so they had to hand the ball off then. 
because the only person with the play clock with the real game official game time was on the field. They changed that rule the next year. So okay, so you stop them. There's a stoppage of play. We go to TV timeout. You know you're not going to be in shotgun. So why don't you take snaps with Mitch Morse under center off to the sideline? Make sure that you got that handled because that's going to be the most important play of the game is the quarterback exchange, right? It's going to be the most important play of the game. And yet you fumble it and they pick up the recovery <laughs> and it is. Like how is this not the miracle of Lake Erie? I, I think as we move forward, it's going to be especially based on what happens uh, toward the second half of the season, if it ends up propelling Minnesota to getting a one seed or having a really good playoff run, and if this kind of is the beginning of the demise for Buffalo here. But I think we're still a long ways away from that. But like you said, like that was the first thing that came to my mind. I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, like This is Miracle in the Meadowlands, what we saw with Herm Edwards running that back for the touchdown for the Eagles, to fumble that ball and then for Minnesota to also recover it in the end zone I had never seen anything like that because I wasn't alive during the Miracle in the Meadowlands. I've seen the NFL Films footage of that. But to see that live was out of control after that defense got the stop on fourth and inches denying uh, Kirk Cousins on the QB sneak. I mean, like, I just don't understand how it goes. Like, How do you do that, right? (laughs) How does that happen? It's day one stuff. Okay, so, I mean, like, seriously, Buffalo gets the ball. To, there's a there was uh, I'm just trying to see if they had any timeouts left. I don't think they did. Timeout number two. Timeout. I think Minnesota was out of timeouts. Yeah, right. Was out. Yep. They're out of timeouts. So all we got to do is get the exchange, right? All we have to do is get the exchange and move the ball just a half an inch off the goal line. We can't take a safety here, right? Mm-hmm. You can't take a safety because if you take a safety and you got to punt it and they kick the field goal, they beat you. So this so you can't take the safety there. But why can't you just practice the snaps on the sideline, take the snap exchange, and go forward with the ball? Like, how hard is that? And then I don't understand how he's not catching heat. In the, I want to get this perfectly lined up here, but there was a uh, there was a time in the game where. No, let me go here, Femi. So you're talking about Josh Allen here? No, I'm talking about the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo I'm Bills. talking about when Buffalo turned down the field goal. They had a fourth oh, yeah. and one at their two-yard line, and they go for it on fourth down, and they don't get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they don't get the they they get it. They turn down an easy field goal to make it thirty to thirteen or thirty to seven. Oh, it would have been thirty to seventeen at the time. That's exactly right. Because God forbid, if you go up by thirteen, you'd rather be up by ten than thirteen. Like seriously, like ten. If that the, if he kicks that ball there, he wins the game. It, I mean, there are two coaching mistakes in this game that that are hard to defend. And then nobody wants to say it, but the reality of it is, is how about this 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 Bills defense that that was supposed to be elite? You know, Milano's back. I know they didn't have Poyer, but where is this the elite defense? I mean, I know Jefferson made plays that are just God. Nobody can make these plays that he made. It was incredible. But how do we not take him out of the game? How do we not double him? It was really staggering to see Buffalo's defense there in that second half. Uh, Buffalo now, Michael, has been outscored 43-12 to 12 after halftime in the last three games uh, this season. So it's been something that's been happening after the 30-minute break there. And the Bills, to, uh, in their defense, their defense has been banged up in the secondary. You mentioned no Jordan Poyer, Tredavious White, probably a week away or so from coming back and uh, making his debut this season. Also, Kyir Elam, their first-round pick, was out the corner for that game. So they were depleted in that secondary, already missing Micah Hyde as well. So I, I think that they should get the secondary correct, but I thought their run defense and letting Dalvin Cook just run all over them, I thought that was really concerning, and I didn't think there was any really excuse for that. No, there, there's no excuse. You give up an 81-yard touchdown run? I mean, there's no excuse for that, you know? And, and you know, and, and here's the thing is, is when you break down this team, I mean, their run defense, which was the Achilles heel last year, you know, when Damian Harris went in there with the win game and they couldn't stop the run and everybody, well, they got bigger. They got Jordan Phillips. They're bigger in the defensive mm-hmm. front, but that's not the case. I mean, Minnesota, you know, when you break the game down and you really study it, Minnesota did, I mean, Minnesota did everything to lose the game. They had 20 incompletions, right? They had 20 incompletions, but at the end of the day, Buffalo, they had 28 plays in the fourth quarter. They got, they punted, they had two interceptions, a fumble, and they still scored four and they had 14 first downs. I mean, that's why they lose the game. That You can't turn the ball over in the fourth quarter. 
And, and it's inexcusable to turn that ball over on a snap. I mean, that's just like mm-hmm. poor John McVay, the great John McVay who passed away two weeks ago. He got fired from the Giants for the miracle in the Meadowlands. I'm not saying McDermott should get fired, but I think McDermott should have had an answer for some questions about why didn't he kick the field goal to go up 13. Wow, that's incredible. Nobody asked him about the field goal, according to our producer, Stephen Bond here. Uh, that's I'm surprised he wasn't asked about that. I know that we all like wanted to go for it on fourth downs, but Josh Allen making that mistake, throwing the interception to Patrick Peterson. And let's have the Allen discussion here, Michael, because going into this season, he was the MVP favorite. The Bills were the Super Bowl favorite. And all the way up until week six or so, we were all, and I've been saying it the whole season, Buffalo head and shoulders above the rest of the league, but they can't be head and shoulders above the rest of the league if Josh Allen is playing the way that he's playing over these last three games here. What do you think is going on? Like, do you, Is there maybe an injury, this elbow thing has happened prior to the Jets game, and maybe that's why he hasn't playing well? Or is he just simply just not playing well right now? I think he's just – I think he's making bad decisions with the football. I think he's making bad decisions with the football. I mean, I think there's no way around it. I think that's the only way you could look at it. Like, like he's not – he's not – protecting the ball. He's got 10 interceptions. He's 2.9 percentage of interceptions. He fumbles the ball. He's still their leading rusher. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you know, he's not being able to make the plays that he has with his arm. And what makes it more alarming is he's turning the ball over and giving points to the other team and taking points away from himself. Yeah. And I don't see how, you know, to me, part of the he, – he's certainly a great player, but his decision-making – has been really suspect. It has nothing to do with an elbow injury. There's nothing to do mm-hmm. with it. It's poor decision-making. Like, you know, wh- what are we trying to get done here? Why are we throwing the ball there? Like, we're too experienced. Like, you just don't have to make the play. Yeah, it's – it's. Um, I don't know if it's a lack of situational awareness or it's just not, not knowing the necessary plays that need to be made to ultimately win the games there because, like, he has all the splash plays, even that final drive to lead him down the field – uh, to kick the field goal there, you see the talent, you see the mobility and all that stuff, the playmaking ability that he has, but some reason, and especially in the red zone, we saw it with the interception last week against the Jets, then another time here with Patrick Peterson with another interception here. Uh, I, I want to get to the Vikings because this is a team that I've been kind of cool on throughout this season. I've been saying, hey, they're a little inflated by their record, and I think we should have some some v- positive Vikings talk here on the podcast because it, this is the win of the season right now, going into the Buffalo Bills home and getting a victory there. Now they're eight and one, Michael. I mean, Justin Jefferson, you've talked about it on that final drive. Unbelievable. Ten catches, 190 yards, a touchdown. Uh, he's thrown his hat into the conversation for offensive player of the year. But this Vikings team, it just seemed like they are able to make the necessary plays. Now seven and zero in one score games this season, man. Do you think that this team is a legitimate contender moving forward after what you saw yesterday? Well, look, I mean, they get they have gotten better each week. They've won a lot of close games. I mean, you know, it's like and they've been able to make the plays when they've had to make the plays. And I think that's, okay, let's take the Raiders who can't make plays when they have to make plays and Minnesota who make plays when they have to make plays. One team's eight and one, the other team's what, two and seven. So it really comes to, and in the fourth quarter, Minnesota's, but I mean, they're down 10. What were they down against the commanders? They're down 17-7 in the fourth quarter. They come back and win that game, Right. You know, yeah. they were, you know, in Miami, they play like absolute crap and win the game. They had like, I think they punted, they had 15, 15 possessions of the game. They punted 13 times, you know, and they're able to just, they find ways to win the game. I mean, Dalvin Cook, they've got good skill. Hawkinson gives them somebody. I think they play better defensively. I mean, they got, you know, they had a hard time getting out. I mean, Allen's running was the difference really in the game yesterday, the way he was able to move around. Mm-hmm. And make plays. I, I don't think you can. Demi- I mean, the Minnesota got their butts kicked when they played Philly in Week Two. They look like a completely different team right now. They do. Yeah. I mean, I, but you know, in fairness, though, in Buffalo, that that eighty-one yarder. I mean, he has an eighty-one yard run, and then he's got thirteen carries for like forty yards the rest of the game. I mean, he had one mm-hmm. play. The Vikings are really explosive, and that passing game is. Long- if Kirk Cousins can be protected. Jefferson looks like nobody in the league can cover this guy. Phelan's also a nice option. And Hawkinson controlling the middle of the field there. It's, it's a tricky team to deal with offensively and what Dalvin Cook can do out of the backfield. And Kevin O'Connell, I, I've been a, I've been kind of skeptical of this O'Connell love that people have been talking about. But, man, this team, they're, they're getting it done. They are getting it done. They had 37 plays counting overtime. 
Thir- fourth quarter in overtime. They had 37 plays. 14 first downs. They got 10 points. And they lost the ball on downs. I mean, at the end of the day, at, as much as we're talking about Minnesota, what are the odds that you are going to not only fumble at the <laughs> one-yard line? Not at, what are the odds that you're going to fumble at the one-yard line that you're actually going to recover it? Like, what are the odds of that? Like, what's the first thing a ninth grader does when he goes out to his first practice and he plays quarterback? He takes the quarterback exchange. Mm-hmm. Like, why wouldn't you just practice the quarterback exchange with Mitch? I don't know if they did. I didn't see it. But maybe Stephen Bond knows. But, I mean, you would think that before you went out there, you would say, hey, make sure we're nailed down on the quarterback exchange here. Right? Make sure we're nailed down on that. And then you, you fumble the quarter. I mean, like, all this love we want to give Minnesota. Like, at the end of the day, give it to them. But they won. But, mm-hmm. I mean, understand why they won. It's got it once in a million times. Once in a million. The bigger issue of this game isn't Buffalo lost. The bigger issue is when is Josh Allen going to stop turning the ball over and when are they going to fix their fourth quarter problems? Because they're costing betters money. It cost a lot of people money yesterday with the swings and all that stuff with Allen in or out and all that stuff. But they end up losing the game 33-30 in overtime to the Vikings. Michael, let's go to Munich where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers don't look now, but they've now won two in a row as they defeated the Seattle Seahawks 21-16. to uh, In my opinion, I don't think the game was as close as the score suggested there. I thought Tampa really controlled this thing, and it got close after Brady made a couple of turnovers. But uh, what did you make from what we saw yesterday, bright and early in the morning? Well, I think for the first time all year, they got a running game going. You know, and when you break this game down, you know, they were able to add 66 rushes and completions. They, and Brady only threw six incomplete passes in the entire game. And so he threw the bad interception, the, the wheel route to him from Leonard Fournette. That was a ridiculously bad call. They shouldn't have done that. I agree that Seattle couldn't get rhythm going early in the game, the second half. But what cost Seattle this game, for, all, for as well as they played Tampa Bay, if Seattle doesn't turn that ball over in the red zone with the fumble, with Geno's fumble, you know, they got a chance to win this game. And what, what I think Tampa did a great job was they finished the game. They had 25 plays in the fourth quarter. They got 10 first downs. You know, even though they threw an interception, they got 10 first downs. and they had a, So they won the fourth quarter. They were able to execute when they had to execute. See, this is really the essence of the game that we love is what happens in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and who makes plays and who doesn't make the plays in the fourth and clearly, Tampa was able to do that because they kept the ball away from Geno. If, if Geno would have got the ball back, they might have been able to win it. But Seattle's defense couldn't stop it. They couldn't stop the run. And because of that, Brady was able to get some kind of rhythm going. But I, I think to me, you know, it was one of those games where they finally found their balance. And when Brady can run a little bit, when they can get that going, they're a much better team. Yeah, we saw Julio Jones siding on the touchdown. He looked fast. It was a blown coverage there by Seattle. But Seattle's defense, because that's been getting a lot of praise over this past month. And I said I'm a little skeptical just based on they've only played the Cardinals twice, so maybe this team is a little overrated right now defensively. They look like the defense that we saw in the first month of the season versus what we saw in the last three to four weeks, I thought, Michael. I, I don't think they look like that. They, they were bad in the first couple weeks of the season. I think they, they had bad. a hard time they were, getting – They were bad yesterday. They were bad, but I thought they had a hard time getting control. They couldn't stop the run. I think that was the bigger issue. They blew the coverage on the man. They, you know, they, they thought the guy was getting cut. They thought Julio was going to get cut, and nobody cut to him, and so they blow that coverage. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, they held them. I mean, at the end of the day, you can say they play poorly, but they, that you know, yards per play in the game, yards per play with 5-7 and 5-7. Mm-hmm. Now, what Tampa did was by having those 66 rushes and completions, they controlled the ball. And really, at the end of the day, where Tampa, where Seattle lost this game, is they're one for nine on third down. I mean, Seattle's one for nine on third down, which killed them. That that was the killer because that came that allowed Tampa to play a double. You know, that allowed them to have the ball all the time on offense. So yeah, I I think a lot of it was their defense didn't play to the level. They gave up 21 points. I think if you give up 21 points in the National Football League, you're playing pretty good defense. It's not that bad. But I think the fact is, is that, you know, they're on the field for 37 minutes. It's, you know, when you do that and your offense is one for nine on third down, like I, I think to me you can't make that judgment. Like I don't think that's fair to Seattle's. I think Seattle's defense is playing way better. They tackle well. Look, you can say whatever you want. The Giants, who have been moving the ball on everybody, even though like yesterday the Giants, what, they had all these yards rushing. I know Houston's not any good, but they, they shut the Giants down pretty easily. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that Seattle's defense, well, they're playing better, but I'm, I'm not going to buy into them just yet. I still need to see it more against some competent offenses first before I take the well, leap. Well, like who? Mm-hmm. Like, like you think the Rams are going to give them trouble? No. Like, I mean, you know, it's no, like the Rams aren't I think I they're mean, playing better. I, I think to me, you know, they ran into a, a team that, that they got to fix. They got to be able to fix the run defense, and they didn't yesterday, mm-hmm. and they didn't. I thought that field really helped. I thought the field helped Tampa. Because I think Seattle's strength on defense is their speed. I mm. thought that was like a cow pasture out there. It was a little bit too slow. <laughs> it was slick, too. The guys were slipping and sliding all over the place there. Michael, let's keep it moving, though. The, the Chiefs go ahead and beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 27-17. to Patrick Mahomes, uh, what more can you say about him? 26 of 35, 331, four touchdowns. Has now asserted himself as the MVP favorite right now. But uh, what would you make of Kansas City getting another victory here over Jacksonville? Well, I mean, you know, Jacksonville does exactly kind of what we think they do. Whenever they get it, whenever they raise the level of play, they can't quite raise their level of play. And the, and you know, they did a good job of blocking Jacksonville's front. The Raiders couldn't block Jacksonville's front last week. Kansas City did, and you know, and 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 when you break it down, they were able to to really. I think they had complete control of the game all the way through. Uh, they covered, which is a kind of an anomaly. But let's face it. I mean, this field goal kicker for Jacksonville is a disaster. I don't yeah. know how he was still on the team, but, you know, if you had Jacksonville and holding a nine-and-a-half ticket, this guy killed you. Yeah, I'm sorry. This, this guy killed you. He missed two field goals, 51 wide, 41 wide. You know, he killed you. And so the other thing that, that, that I thought you had to be impressed with Kansas City, the game, they had no penalties called against them in the entire game. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. I mean, how, is that, how does the team go through the entire game with not a penalty called on them? Very interesting. Huh? I mean, like some of these teams, like there's such an imbalance of calls and games. You know, it's like, you know, one team gets all the calls. I mean, t- Tennessee, Denver both had a lot of calls against them. Mm-hmm. The Raider game, it was all, the Raiders had every call going against them. They couldn't, you know, they couldn't get a call. I'm a, and, and I think sometimes when you're a bad team, you're going to have penalties. You hold, you mm-hmm. do things. Like, I, I don't know. I didn't see Colton Miller trip that guy, but that was a call. Like, I, there's some things I don't see, but they obviously call him. I'm not blaming that for the loss at all. But my point here is, is this, they just, they, you know, when you don't turn the ball, when you don't have penalties, you know, that that's another non-obvious thing that goes towards the win column. And look, Mahomes, you know, he only had nine incomplete passes in the entire game. One of them happened to be to the opponent. And when Lawrence throws the ball 40 times, you know, again, how many times do we have to say this? They rushed the ball. They ran the ball. Really, they ran the ball 12 times because Lawrence had to carry it four times. Yeah. Travis Etienne, only 11 carries for 45 yards. He had been ripping off 120-yard games the previous weeks there. So Jags not able to get it done on the ground and ultimately not able to get it done in the game. I mean, I think to me, when you look at this, that the Chiefs just, to me, they don't they didn't beat, the, even though they turned, you know, Mahomes turned it over, but they're able to get control of the game because their offense always seems to be in control. And when, and when Jacksonville takes a step up in class, they can't match it. Well, Michael, let's take our first break here on the pod. On the other side, I got to get to the Dallas Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers. My goodness, I don't know how Dallas lost that game, but we'll discuss it here on the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. 
All right, Michael, we got to talk about the reunion for Mike McCarthy in Lambeau Field yesterday afternoon. The Green Bay Packers snapped their five-game <laughs> losing streak to beat the oh, Cowboys 31-28 in overtime. I see you chuckling over there. I'm sure Big Daddy was blowing up your phone with text messages. Uh, I laid off. I didn't text you about my thoughts with the Cowboys. I was texting my brother back and forth, uh, and it was just a 14-point lead going into that fourth quarter. Somehow you go ahead and lose it. I was not confident, Michael, about this Cowboys team going into this game because Aaron Rodgers is the boogeyman, and Aaron Rodgers has been the bane of my existence for the last 15-plus years, and once again, he beat the Cowboys in a come-from-behind fashion there. All right, so let's go. Let's talk Big Daddy. Get that out of the way. Six thirty-seven p.m. I get a text. Second half will be a slow death. <laughs> Every week they look unprepared. Okay. Yep. C.D. Lamb's having a career game. You wonder why I bitch when they take defensive backs. Goots has no idea who's good or indifferent. Now here, he, Amari Rogers needs to be cut. He only runs back <laughs> punts and has four fumbles this year. And Barry. Came get, allows 28 points in three quarters. Enough already. Fire him tonight. Seriously, this is a tough game to watch. All we heard all much is how much better they're going to be on defense. It's a joke. You know, Jesus, what a tough loss for Vegas. That was He threw that one in there for me. You know, what was that last series? Why can't they just run the ball? You know, and let's see how else. Rodgers will be retired before he says, before I said to him, I said, a star is born in Watson. He said, mm-hmm. they're, they're, I said, he said, Rodgers will be retired before he's a star. Jesus, I'm losing. He didn't say, oh, no, wait a minute. That's about the Raider game. <laughs> he, he said, I can't believe he made that call. Why doesn't he just run the ball? He said, LaFuck tries to outsmart everybody all the time, and he, out, and he outsmarts no one. You can see his shit coming a mile away. And they won. After, after I win. read you. They won the game. That was that was after losing. That's a win. That's a win. That's a come from behind win. Now I understand that they were behind by fourteen points. Yep. In the in the third quarter. I mean, think about this. We just talked about Buffalo. Buffalo is behind twenty-seven to ten. Buffalo's ahead twenty-seven to ten. They're up 27-17 when they decide not to go for it, and he throws an interception. Okay, so we know that. So Dallas is up 28-20-14. And they get a little bit going. I mean, look, the Packers had 415 yards of offense yesterday against mm. a very good defense. Against a very good defense, right? And the Packers controlled the ball 35 minutes of the game. I thought Dak threw a horrible interception. Again, I keep saying this. Dak, you need to play like it's Cooper Rush a little better. You know, 46 passes against them. Yeah. The Packers, give them four credit. He only attempted in over in an overtime game. Rodgers only threw the ball twenty times. Mm-hmm. And, and had th- only had six incomplete passes in the game. He averaged nine point five per play passing, right? And so, like seriously, I, I I don't understand it from Dallas's perspective, and and I get what you're saying with like this needs to be more of like the Cooper Rush game plan because that's what I thought. Stay under center on those early downs. Use the run game. Use some play action. Just have it be a little more close to the vest. And early on in that game, I was shooting a message with my brother, and I was like, oh, boy, this is going to be tough because they brought the Big 12 offense. They they didn't bring the offense that's been winning games. They brought the Big 12 offense to this game coming out of the bye. And I knew at that moment, in the first drive, the Cowboys were in trouble just because 46 pass attempts in the game where you have a two-touchdown lead entering the fourth quarter makes zero sense to me. Meanwhile, Tony Pollard and – and the other kid run the ball pretty well on this Packers defense. I thought they just mismanaged the game in terms of how they were calling it on offense. I think in the second quarter is where they lost the game. They get the fumble, right? They yep. get the ball on Green Bay's 10-yard line. They got the fumble there, right? And they and they throw an interception. Okay? Then Green Bay scores. They get a ball in the kickoff. They start on Dallas's 25. They give it up at the 42 with another interception. So they let them right back in the game again. Mm-hmm. You know, and they let them right back in the game again, and then they score. But to me, there you have it. And then when you look at the fourth quarter, when you look at the fourth quarter, they have 14 plays in the fourth quarter. They only get three first downs. You know, again, you got to execute when the game's on the line. You got to execute when the game's on the line. You got, you got, you got the lead. You're going in the fourth quarter. Meanwhile, Green Bay, which is only thrown up. Now you say, well, you you get behind, you can't run the ball. Okay, Green Bay's down by 14 points. Green Bay's fourth quarter is 22 plays, eight first downs, 14 points. Yeah, they they just gashed him, and and that was one of the reasons why I actually bet Green Bay in this game. I said, if Matt Lafleur has any sort of brain cells, 
he's going to run the football and run it down this Dallas defense's throat because that's the weakness on that Cowboys defense is the run defense. And to Green Bay's credit, 39 attempts, 207 yards. That's 5.3 yards per carry. Aaron Jones, 24 carries, 138, and a touchdown. A.J. Dillon was also ripping off yards as well to where they just never got comfortable, that Dallas defense, where they could just pin their ears back and go get Aaron Rodgers. Because in the obvious passing situations, I thought Dallas's defense was playing pretty well, but they just never really got to that situation in the fourth quarter. Ended up being bad. But, Michael, what did you make of the overtime decision? Because that's what a lot of people are talking about today. Mike McCarthy yeah, I, passing up the 53-yard field goal to go for it on fourth and three. I actually – I think to me that, that – I think you got to look at what are my chances of making fourth down and what are my chances of making the, or making the field goal at mm-hmm. 53 yards. You know, I think to me that was – the. I, I think I, w- I favored him going for it on fourth down there. Same. Like I didn't want to give them that field position – because, look, I know my defense hasn't played great, but if I can get just a stop, you know, if I can get a play, if I get control of the game, I think where Mike probably miscalculated is he felt like his defense was going to get a play, stop. You know, I mean, they ha- they held him for 33% on third down, you know, so it wasn't like, excuse me, they held him for 40. They, they were 6 for 13 on third down. So, yeah. like, you, you had to try to get some pressure on him, and I thought maybe you did. I had no faith they were going to make the fifty-three yarder. I would have liked to see them. I would like to see them run a better play. I think, mm-hmm. but you know that's always easier said said now than it was afterwards. But the reality of it is, is I think, you know, it it it. it I'm not there in pregame, Femi, and none of us are. So I don't know what was being kicked in pregame and how it was if they felt comfortable doing it. Because if you watch pregame and the guy was not making them for fifty-three, why would you go for it? It's easy for us to stay in our living rooms and say you should have gone for it, but we weren't there in pregame, and I, and that field to me is always hard on long field goals because it's not a you, you talk about slipping now you slip on that field, so I, I was I was okay with really the decision I wasn't okay with the outcome, but I think at the end of the day this game plan that Lafleur ran is the one we've been begging for, including Big Daddy, mm-hmm. since the Buffalo game. Really, or before, this is really the game plan which should have been going back to when they lost Devontae Adams. No, I completely agree there. And on the McCarthy note with the field goal, nobody knows that stadium better than he does. That's currently in the NFL. He was asked about it after the game. He said, quote, we were right on the line for a field goal. Hey, to be honest with you, I thought we needed to go for it. I mean, I called it on second down, especially with the way the game was going. Big play penalty, big play penalty, big play penalty. So our thing was just keep playing. We had good calls. I'm fine with the decision. Obviously, on fourth and three, just didn't convert. And that's, yeah, that, I, that was this. I, I mean, I think he just laid it out perfectly to you. So basically, this wasn't premeditated. This was premeditated. He knew when he was on the field, he's telling Kellen Moore, we're going for it on fourth down yeah. here which is exactly what you have to do. So Moore had to set up his play calls around that. It wasn't spontaneous, you know. And so, look, they, and you get nine penalties for 83 yards in the game, you know, I mean, it, it, it's hard to overcome 83 yards. And you still have 405 yards or 421 yards mm-hmm. in the game? That's pr- I mean, that's unbelievable, right? Yeah, they, they were able to move the football whenever they wanted to. They just made mistakes and – I know I'm a fan, so I'm going to be angry about it. But the no call on Jair Alexander when he's all over Ceedee Lamb on that third down—that's oh, that, but that's, come that's on, a, that's a tough one. That's I mean, a tough one, Michael. I mean, what was that's your reaction one. to the? I mean, the Raider call with the, the with Devontae Adams and and Gilmore in the end zone. You don't think that was the guy? Never looked back for the ball. Well, let's talk about that Raiders game because the Colts go ahead and upset Las Vegas twenty-five to twenty. Jeff Saturday gets a victory in his first game as the interim head coach in a surprise move. Matt Ryan ends up starting at quarterback instead of Sam Ellinger there. And Ryan goes 21 of 28, 222 yards and a touchdown. But uh, all the whole discussion about this game is what is going on with the silver and black. I know, Michael, you kept an eye on this game closely there. Uh, What did you make of it? Well, I mean, look, the Raiders are so bad on defense. I don't know what to make of it. I mean, they're playing. They have two guys that I think are NFL players in their front seven and Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. After that, I'm not sure. They had some free agent in the middle linebacker. I mean, they can't mm-hmm. cover anybody. Uh, they can't get off the field on third down. They have no – I mean, Matt, this is all you need to know about the game. Matt Ryan scrambled for 38 yards. <laughs> I mean, that's all you really – Matt Ryan scrambled for 38 yards. And, you know, everybody's praising Saturday for all statue. this. But, you know, but but at the end of the day, he his decisions to go for two at the time of the game, to me, weren't the right decisions. Like you only go for two when you have to make up that when you have to make it up. If he kicks the if he kicks those two extra points, this is a seven point game. 
You know, mm-hmm. and again, the Raiders have the ball in the fourth quarter with a chance to win the game, and they can't make the play. They can't make the play. They got Abdullah open on third down, and they don't throw it. They throw it to the tight end. Adula walks into the end zone if you watch the play. And then the fade pass to Devontae, I, I mean, I don't like the call. I don't like the play. I hated the result. I thought it was pass interference, but that's life in the city. But at the end of the day, the Colts, as bad as they are on offense, they protected the quarterback as well as they could, and they averaged seven yards per play in the game. And the Raiders only averaged 4.8. They didn't turn the ball over. I mean, everybody's making this out like the Raiders are, you know, there's all this me- – I mean, the Raiders are not very good. I mean, you can't go through and have all these draft picks that are not on the team. I know they went to the playoffs last year at 10-7, and 7, and I know everybody's coming after Josh McDaniels that he's a horrible coach and all that crap. But at the end of the day, they're in every single game. They haven't made any plays. Renfro's on IR. Waller's on IR. That offensive line, I mean, where are these guys? So, again, players, coaches, or scheme, you figure it out. Losing to the Colts. I mean, this Colt team, I think we forget. They beat the Chiefs, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we've forgotten that, right? They're not devoid of all the players. Taylor makes the big run. They get a big pass to Paris Campbell. I mean, at the end of the day, the Raiders have to ask themselves the question, how are we going to fix this defense? Because it's broken. And we saw the Raiders without linebackers. I mean, Divine Diablo is out. He's on IR, like you mentioned there. Uh, Blake Martinez retired this week. So you're already down him. Denzel Perriman doesn't play in the game. So you mentioned like it's free agent linebackers for Las Vegas there. But you talked about the McDaniels point, and I feel like we have to have that discussion because everybody wants to send him up the river and fire him. If you don't agree that McDaniels is an issue, where do you think everybody has it wrong? Well, I think it's a t- – so players, coaches, or scheme, right? So right, where, where are you on the quarterback? I'm not a fan of the quarterback. I've never really – Okay, so you're taking over a quarter I – know, I know the quarterback went into the playoffs last year and all that, but he's got to play better than he is. I don't know what, his, what he was talking about at his press conference – I think this. Man. I think every time, every time one of these coaches from New England wants to take over a program, there's always this. There's always this doubt, you know. And somebody said, "Well, he lost to Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday did really nothing in the game. He, I did more in the game than Jeff Saturday did. I mean, let's be honest. We were both watching. Okay, that game was set up. They they cut. You could just see they cut down mm-hmm. their playbook tremendously. Like they ran very few plays. This Raider defense can't stop anybody. So I think a lot of it is their defense. They can't get stops. I mean, they're really not very good on defense. Is that the head coach's problem? Yeah, he's got to fix that. Do you want to blame him for that? Yep, you do. Go ahead, blame him. I think there's no doubt this is as bad a defense as you're going to see. You know, do they not make plays when they have to make plays? Yeah, I think that's right. But I think we're in a cancel culture. Like, I mean, the guy didn't take over this. Like, everybody has this notion that he took over this incredibly talented team. Like, like when you ask that question to me, it's almost like you really think this Raider team was incredibly talented. Like, the, you don't have – go through their draft picks. Where are they? Where's their talent? Waller's on IR. Renfro, mm-hmm. after he got hit in week – whatever it was in Arizona, he hadn't been the same since. They paid Renfro this offseason, and he has been not very good from day one. I mean, that's a fact. I mean, he wasn't the same – he's not the same player this year. We say, well, that's McDaniel's fault. Well, blame McDaniel's for everything. Go ahead. But at the end of the day, like, where is – where is the – where are the players? I mean, where are the players? I, I think they got to get better at coaching. I think they got to get better at scheme. But I think their talent level is one of the reasons why they're two and seven. They've been in, other than the New Orleans game, they've been in every game. Do I think the players have quit on McDaniels? To me, that's the indication if you don't think the guy's very good. Now, mm-hmm. Twitter hates McDaniels, and so does so does the media. But I mean, at the end of the day, who who could who could go in there? Are you going to be able to win with that defense? I mean, the difference between the Raiders and the Giants, between Brian Dayball and, 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 and New England, is the Giants are making plays when they have to make plays in the fourth quarter. Credit to Dayball. That's where they're not. Now, who's the more talented team? I actually think the Giants have more talent. Mm. I mean, they have Devontae Adams and they have Jacobs. It's a defense. I mean, this offensive line. This offensive line, Femi, I mean, you're, they're playing guys up front that are not very good. I, again, I know my son's the offensive coordinator, so I'm defending him. But I would tell you the same thing. I'm, t- I'm telling him the same thing. Like, I don't like the fade to Devontae Adams in the end zone. You know how I feel about fades. Mm-hmm. There's certainly criticism. I think there's certainly – I'm sure Josh would be the first one to say, we got to do a better job. But to think that this is all a coaching issue, is to me, is re- really being – you're just being hateful. Well, Gruden won there. Well, Gruden destroyed the program. 
Go through the draft picks. Cleveland Farrell, Abrams, Henry Ruggs, Arnett. How many more first-round picks can you throw away? And, not, and all of them were because – and they traded the players away. They traded Mack away. They traded Cooper away. And they end up with what? Well, they're not going to have a first-round pickup coming this year because they traded that away for Devontae Adams, who's one of the lone bright spots here for this Raiders team. You mentioned Carr. After the loss, he was emotional at the press conference and said, quote, for that to be the result of all that effort pisses me off. So we'll see if this Raiders team can kind of get this thing together. But right now, it's looking like uh, a bad situation here in Las Vegas. Michael, uh, before we end this segment, I wanted to talk to you about uh, Sunday night football here. The San Francisco 49ers, they went ahead and beat the Chargers 22-16 to and the Niners, they were down for much of the game, but then in the fourth quarter, they're able to pull away and, and grab a hold of that lead and never give it back there. But uh, the Niners' offense looked a little, you know, not great coming out of the bye here against the Chargers' defense that's pretty banged up, especially on the defensive line. Yeah, and I don't think the Niners' defense looked very good either, Femi. Mean, they gave up 16 points in the first half. They didn't give up a point in the second half like they did against the Rams. I mean, they were very good in the second half. I think this game, to me, and I was on San Francisco, and I was wrong. And obviously, they didn't cover. <laughs> I don't think I was either. I think you have to handicap the game. I think, to me, if you took the Chargers in the game, it was pure luck that you covered. Pure luck. Because when you break it down, I mean, San Francisco's two for five in the goal line on red zone. They're two for five on goal to go. Two for five on goal to go. If, they, if, they, if that's three for five on goal to go, you cover easily. I mean, and so I think San Francisco – Got the win that they needed to get. I don't think they really care about the point spread. I mm -hmm. think their defense kind of got itself to going to get a little bit in the second half. They were able to kind of adjust their game plan. Credit to, to credit to the coach, D'Amico Ryans, who adjusted his game plan out. But I, I think at the end of the day, you know, this is one of those where they didn't even play their A game and they still won by six. Niners have a lot of potential going forward in the second half of the season. And now with that win and the Seahawks loss, they're a half game back. Seattle on bye coming up this week, so the Niners have a chance to uh, move into first place with a victory against the Arizona Cardinals over in Mexico next Monday. But, Michael, let's take another break here on the other side. We'll get to the rest of Sunday's slate here on the GM Shuffle. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, Michael, let's get to the rest of Sunday's slate here, starting with the Cardinals defeating the defending Super Bowl champion, L.A. Rams, 27-17. It was a game of backup quarterbacks. Colt McCoy for Arizona, John Walford of the L.A. Rams, as the defending champs are now 3-6. and six, Probably one of the worst title defenses that we've seen up until this point in recent memory. Well, I mean, I was pissed off at myself. I should have played the Cardinals. And once Colt McCoy was announced the starter, I thought the Cardinals would be better on offense. I said it on my show. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, at least they would get somebody who could execute what they wanted to do offensively. And they did. They ended up with 52 rushes and completions and 11, only 11 incompletions in the game. They weren't great on third down. But I think the bigger story here is what is where are the Rams going? Right. I mean, Stafford is beat up. His body is painful. He's been in concussion protocol. This is not a good team at all. They cannot run. They couldn't run the ball. They averaged three three a carry yesterday. You know, they had the ball for twenty two plays in the fourth quarter, and it's kind of misleading because they got seven points. I mean, this is a twenty seven to ten game. They got the cheap seven at the end. This is a blowout. This is, this is one of the worst games all. I mean, the Rams are not good. What is the Rams' future, Femi? That's the question. I mean, is McVay going to be around for the rebuild? Because how many more years do you think Stafford's going to take getting punched in the mouth? Right? How much longer do you think McVay wants to coach a complete rebuild without first-round picks? It's, it's a bad situation. Do you think we see Stafford the rest of the season? And I, that might seem crazy, but he's in the concussion protocol. The season looks like would, it's going nowhere. If I was his dad, I would say, Matthew, just like, what are you doing? Like, like seriously, why would you play him? He's going to get hit again. Yeah. Like, the, 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 he gets rid of the ball. He's been getting hit even though the ball comes out of his hands so much. Like we talked about, his yards per attempt is way down. I mean, they can't make – they cannot make a big play in the game. They had one play for 25 yards. 
again, you know, it's like, okay, the Raiders suck. They're two and seven. The Super Bowl chance are three and seven, but it's all, all, all good. Like, there's a, there's a lot that goes into why you're losing. And the Raiders are losing because they're not very talented. The Rams are losing because they're not very talented either. I know one team went to the Super Bowl last year and won it. Another team went to the playoffs and lost. But, like, I, and I know when you win a Super Bowl, you buy tremendous amounts of, mm-hmm. of, uh, of uh, political capital. Yep. And certainly when you don't win, you don't have any, right? You can't get confidence without evidence when you don't win especially in the fan base and with Twitter. But this Ram team is poorly constructed. They're poorly built. Their offensive line stinks. They're not good enough to carry them on defense. They have a couple star players. But at the end of the day, they went all in to win a Super Bowl, and they won it. So you say, okay, was it worth it? But who's going to be around for the rebuild? That's the better question, Femi. Because I think this is going to be a long rebuild. And if they and if McVay says, no, 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 Kurt Herbie, now, Herbie, let, let me have that job over here at Amazon, okay? And, and Amazon will say, yeah, you got it, Sean. Herbie, go back to college, no problem, right? Say they slide, say they mm-hmm. slide, Sean. Sean so, so says at the end of the year, okay. Because I'm telling you, th- this is a complete rebuild. See, this is where I think teams make a mistake, right? I think everybody sells expectations. You know, we're going to repeat. We're Super Bowl champs. We're going to repeat. Now, you can't really say you're not going to repeat. I get that. Mm-hmm. You know, the Raiders sign up Devontae Adams. They can't say, well, we're rebuilding, right? Because you saw So there's mixed messages that come through this. Whereas, like, Seattle's, they went all rebuild and look where they are. They kind of didn't try to sell. Like, they've exceeded expectations. The Rams are going to have to tear this bad boy down to the studs. But yeah. they're already at the studs, Femi. I'm not sure what moves they can make there with zero first-round picks. It's going to be trading Jalen Ramsey or trading Cooper Cup, stuff like that. That's what you're going to have to do. Cup got hurt bad yesterday. Did you see that? I thought he was bad. I don't know how bad it was. It looked bad when I was watching it. Yeah, but they said it was bad. I mean, so they they don't have Cup. I think Walford's got to play again. Right, so you're right. They're gonna have to trade Rams. You think Ramsey's gonna tolerate being on a rebuild? No chance. Hell no. No chance. Right. (laughs) Okay. Aaron Donald gonna tolerate being on a rebuild? No chance. Mm -hmm. Right. But those are your two assets that you could recoup something to rebuild with. And then here's the other issue: who you rebuilding with? If McVay goes to Amazon, which which I'm not, I I have no knowledge on this. Mm -hmm. Just completely speculative. If he goes to Amazon, right? If he goes to Amazon and T- starts doing that, who's coming into? Who is going to make? Who's going to be the guy to clean this mess up? You think Sean? You think Sean Payton's going to leave his beach house in Malibu to come take this one over with no quarterback and no picks? I doubt that. It's I doubt it too. I doubt that. Is is Les Snead the general manager? Is he going to stay for the rebuild? Because he's part of the reason why they're in this situation. Now we say this situation. They did win the Super Bowl. We can't lose sight of that. Like you've mentioned, but going forward, this is dire. No, I think it's bad. I think it's to me, you got to be aware of this. Like nobody in the national media is going to talk about it, but to me, watching Sean on the sideline yesterday, I could see it in his face. Like this is hard. This is not what this is going to be really hard. And John Wolford's not the answer, and there is no answer. You know, there is no answer. And if, and Stafford, even if he plays, isn't the answer. Because it wasn't much better with Stafford. They're at 4-3 per play. You know, I mean, and they, they held Arizona to 4.6. Arizona had 10 drives, 5 punts, 5 scores. Yeah, I think the last point here on the Rams is the hidden thing about last year was, in the last few years, they were able to be the healthiest team in the National Football League all throughout this run since McVay has gotten there. And this year it kind of came crashing down with all the injuries on the offensive line. Now injuries to Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford. But uh, like we said, good thing they won the Super Bowl. Let's keep it moving, Michael, and head down to South Beach where, buddy, Tua Tungavailoa and the Miami Dolphins, they defeat the Cleveland Browns 39-17. to This is the one bet that I regret from yesterday. I took the points with Cleveland, and about one quarter in, I said, I think I'm screwed here in this game based on how the Dolphins' offense was just able to march the ball up and down the field, 7.3 yards per play, Tua 285, three touchdowns. I, I'm telling you, Michael, this Dolphins offense is a top five unit across the board. It might be the most scary unit in the entire AFC. Well, nobody can, nobody's been able to hit to it. They haven't been able to get to him. I think he was sacked one time for six yards yesterday. They had nine drives in the game. They didn't punt. 
The only time they didn't get points on those nine drives is when they went for it on downs. I mean, it's it, and now what? What I think Cleveland did, which is I think you got to credit McDaniel here, is Cleveland tried to take to make them run the ball, and they did, mm-hmm. and then they ran it down Cleveland's face. I mean, look, Cleveland is broken on defense. We've known this, and you know they're not their run defense has not been very good. Now they kind of came to life against Cincinnati because they usually play Cincinnati pretty well. But, you know, they got whooped up front. And then when Cleveland can't run the ball and it puts it all on Jacoby Brissett, that's a challenge. So, look, hats off to Miami. And we'll see. You know, now they get the bye week. They come in. But, you know, Wilson comes down there. He's got, he averages seven yards a carry. I mean, the two the two 49er backs, Morset, Morset and, and Wilson, yeah, you know, they have it. almost 170 yards rushing. And, and on 23 carries. One guy averaged eight, one a carry. The other guy's averaged 7-0. And, and Chubb was at 11. Look, I, I think there's... I think there's Cleveland's got some real issues. I don't think they're good enough offensively, obviously, you know, and I think defensively they've got some real, real problems. I mean, you got Clowney and you got Chuck and you got uh Miles Garrett mm-hmm. and you get no pressure on the quarterback whatsoever. And and this is a game where, you know, credit Miami. Miami only had a 29-yard pass, a 24, a 24-yard run, and then two tw- and another 20 pass and another 20 run. So they they didn't beat you with the big plays. They just beat you with, you know, he only had seven incomplete passes for the game. They, th- they ran it 33 times in the game. And that's the scary part about this offense is I wanted to see, can they continue to move the ball explosively if they don't find Tyreek Hill? Hill only had 50-something yards in this game, but his presence opens things up for so many people. This is a four-by-one team in terms of the skill guys with Hill, Waddle, Wilson, Mostert. Like, there's so much speed on the field. And Tua, while he doesn't have the best arm, is pretty accurate to where I, 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 I'm this Dolphins team, I, I have them on my radar for a team to keep an eye on for the second half of this season, sitting at but 73. You keep, keep them on your radar, but this four-game win streak, Pittsburgh's defense, okay? Mm-hmm. Detroit's defense, Chicago's defense, Cleveland's defense. Those are bad defenses. Keep them on the radar. Let's see when they play a good – now we're going to get cold weather. We'll see where this goes. Now, I mean, we'll see how it works. I think the best thing if you're a Miami Dolphin fan after that game was the fact that you ran the football. So now some of this is going to take some of the pressure off of you. You're Mm -hmm. going to be able to go on the road and, you know, you're going to have to go into Buffalo, right? You're going to have to go into Buffalo. you got three road games. You go out to San Francisco, you got the Chargers, and you got Buffalo. Now – Weather in San Francisco, weather in L.A. not going to be a problem. Buffalo going to be a problem. You get Green Bay at home, and then you got to go to New England. That's a, that's a fun end of the schedule, man. That Dolphins at Bills December 18th. Put that in Sunday night. That's going to be a hell of a game, and it could likely decide who wins the AFC East. Michael, let's keep it moving out to the Windy City where the Chicago Bears. Oh, they, <laughs> took you this long to get to this game, huh, Ben? Come on. I'm not hiding. All right? I'm not hiding on my man Justin Fields. I love, <laughs> I, I love this tweet. I love this tweet that one of the worldwide leaders put out. I, I love this tweet. Well, while you're looking but, up for that tweet, their Lions beat the Bears 31-30. to 30. They come from behind, scoring 21 points in that fourth quarter. There's the Bears fall to 3-7. and seven. Detroit now two wins in a row over division rivals sitting at 3-6. and six. But what's the tweet that you want to pull up here, Michael? Last month... The Chicago Bears lead the NFL in scoring. Okay, that's wonderful. <laughs> look, look. If you guys want to go down to Justin, if you everybody wants to kiss Justin Fields' ass for being a great quarterback, go ahead and do it. He's a great running back. I'm not going to deny that. But I think what you need to really pay attention to, and nobody wants to do this or talk about it, and I was thinking of you while I was watching it, is the fourth quarter. When you've got to throw the ball to win in the fourth quarter. When you've got to make plays from the pocket in the fourth quarter, and the game isn't a loose play game anymore, you know, 17 plays in the fourth quarter, one interception, pick six, two punts, one on downs, and one touchdown. Now, you, you want to tell me that that's really what we're going to do? Look, I think the guy is an incredible running back. I think he is. But as a passer, and I think what Luke Getze and Matt Eberflus are doing, I think is really, really good. And I think they should continue to do it. And I think as a franchise, if I were the general manager of the Bears, I would be saying to everybody in the building, look, we're all in on the six-back attack. We're all in on it. Now, I, I mean, we're going to go for this for three years and see if we can make him a better passer. Like, I would, I'm not sitting here saying I'm giving up on fields. Mm-hmm. But I just want okay. people to understand that, that he is not a quarterback. 
And there's, it's going to take him a long time to get to be. He threw it 20 times yesterday at 12 completions. The touchdown throw for 50 yards, you could have thrown that, Femi. Okay? Wide open. Right? 13 carries for 147 yards. Dynamic. Two touchdowns. Unbelievable. But what you might want to think about doing is go to the single wing and put another quarterback back there that can actually throw the ball. See, at the end of Gridiron Genius, I wrote about, to me, the new way future of football is mm-hmm. two quarterbacks in the backfield that both can run. So mm-hmm. if you put, if say you had Taysom Hill and Justin Fields, how's that offense working? They're going to run the ball, I can tell you that much. We're going to throw it, too, because you're yeah, going to be playing the it, run. Yeah. I mean, so to me, like, to me, I, I'm what I'm saying is, I'm not. I would. This is not how I think you can. I don't think you can win football games in December and January in playoff time with this six-back offense, unless you get an elite passer in the six-back. But to get respectable, okay, go. And because Fields is only in his second year, and I get three more years to see if I can work it out, I might as well go down this road. I might as well build the team around them like this. I think you use the Eagles model is what I think you should use. And and the field's optimism for me is I, I think I, I'm enamored by the talent and the physical attributes. And like we said, we said we had this discussion in September about Justin Fields. The real evaluation comes after the season. Well, we have the full sample size from this year, but I just like where he's trending in terms of being an athlete. And this stat, it, it's what sums it up in terms of the six-back offense. He became yesterday the first QB in NFL history with 100 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, and two passing touchdowns. Like you got to go all the way in with the six-back offense. I think he can be better than Jalen Hurts if you go all the way in and commit to that, but they have to commit to it. Well, but the problem is, Fem, is he can't make any throws. He Hurts made some throws. This kid doesn't make any throws. And so, like, where are we going? Like, where, where do you want to go with this? Like, he leads the team in rushes with 7.2. Like, he can't, you know, like, they can't make – he can't – unless it's wide open, there's no throw – and then he turned the ball over. He's got seven interceptions to go along with what? Is 11 fumbles or 12 fumbles now? I mean, he's going to turn the ball over. Like when they had to throw the ball at the end of the game, he threw a pick six. When they had to throw the ball to get back in the game, they, had a, they, they lost it on downs. And, and look, give Detroit credit. I mean, Goff proved – Detroit, for a bad fourth quarter team – they ran 19 plays, had two touchdowns, 12 first downs in the fourth quarter, and a pick six. I mean, there's another game. If you bet Chicago, you're up, what, 20, what are you up, 30 yep, to yep, 17? 30, 14? Yeah, it was, they were up uh, two scores, definitely, in that game. It was, uh, it was yeah, 24-10. They were up 24-10. And they lost the game. I mean, look, I, I think to me you got to be real. Like, let's just be realistic. Let's just stop the nonsense that this kid plays quarterback. He's a running back that plays quarterback. He's not a quarterback that runs. Like, let's separate that. Now, if you, it, to me, I would go all the way down. We've gave too many assets up for him. You're going to have to go. But at the end of the day, he costs us the game. It's going to be an interesting to monitor toward the end of this season here. But let's go to Nashville, Michael, where the Tennessee Titans defeated the Denver Broncos 17-10. to My man Russell Wilson just uh, – he got cooked out there in the Music City. Denver's offense 4.3 yards per play, Tennessee 5.1 as they improved to 6-3. and Well, I mean, look, you know, it's funny too. And, and Denver, Denver – I mean, Tennessee had nine penalties in the game. Three of them went for Denver's first downs, okay? So that's remarkable. And, you know, Denver, once again, they can't score. I mean, they had 13 drives, nine punts, one interception, and 10 two or less drives for first downs. I mean, they have no rhythm to their offense, their offensive line. And Tennessee's wounded. I mean, te- I mean, mm-hmm. just give Grable more credit. I mean, he's able to kind of ha- – he hangs in there. He's down 10-7. They don't score the rest of the game, you know. And, you know, Wilson throws an interception. He's got the ball on the ground three times that he recovered. You know, I mean, if it wasn't for the Malik Willis fumble in the fourth quarter, you know, it, this would have probably been – it would have been over. I mean, 13 – I mean, 19 plays, three first downs in the fourth. I, I stayed away from Tennessee because I thought by the fourth quarter they'd be exhausted, but this Tennessee team's resilient. They're just hard to – now they got to play Green Bay. Now they got to play Green Bay on a short week. Yeah, I, I took the points with Denver. Uh, I don't regret it. I probably would do it again if I had to because this game could have gone either way, but Tennessee with no Jeffrey Simmons, no Bud Dupree – 
banged up on that defense and they're able to get the victory there. Uh, I mean, you think about that. They played with five guys. That, that yeah. There was every sharp in the Borgata book was on was on Denver yesterday. Everyone. Yeah. Because the five injuries to the to Tennessee's defense said, okay, we're not – it just shows you where – to me, it shows you where – look, expectations once again. You trade all those picks for Wilson and you end up with – you end up winning one in the last six games – I mean, they got three wins. They play the Raiders this week. This will be two, you know, two programs that are going that had expectations that aren't that haven't been able to fulfill them. The most damning stat that I've seen on Denver before we get to the next game here is that if they scored 18 points in regulation of every single game this season, they'd be eight and one. That's <laughs> that's that's about sums it up there from that Denver offense there, Michael. Let's go to the Meadowlands though. Giants they beat the Texans 24 to 16. New York coming out of the bye now seven and two. But boy, the Houston had a chance to win this game. They absolutely botched it with the red zone turnovers there. But hey, that's how football goes, and Big Blue moves on. I mean, look, the game comes right down to the red zone. One for six in the red zone, one for two goal to go. That's why Houston loses. Houston averages six five per play. Yeah, you know they 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 had points per possession was one four five. You know they they had eleven drives, six punts all in the first half. They didn't punt in the second half, right? Uh, but yet they turned the ball over. They had an interception and a fumble. And then Lovey took the field goals to give himself a chance, which helped anybody who was on the Giants side, me included, mm-hmm. to, 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 to cover. But to me, this was a game where situational football mattered. I mean, look, the Giants had 60 rushes and completions. They only threw four incompletions the entire game. They did exactly what they had to do. They were methodical in their approach, and they made situational plays when they had to make them. And credit them. I mean, the, the, the Texans were 3-for-10 on third down. The Giants are 7-for-14. The Giants win third down. They win the red zone. They, they, they make big plays, and they, ha- and they win the execution. They win the game. Probably the most annoying loss for me yesterday was Texans plus 7, but I'd still make the bet again if I had to try. Uh, final game, Saints and the Steelers. Pittsburgh, they go ahead and get a victory out of the bye, 20-10, to and what was an ugly game offensively. Neither team even got to five yards per play, but uh, Kenny Pickett, 18 of 30, 199, and Dalton, with the injuries up front, really struggled, and welcome back, T.J. Watt. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the New Orleans is 3 for 12 on third down in the game, and, you know, I mean, this game is really not as close as the score, 20-10. Mm-hmm. to 10. I mean, that kicker for Pittsburgh, I mean, he, he can't be kicking this week. I mean, there were some bad kicks now. I mean, he missed two field goals, 39 wide and 48 wide left. I mean, look, and New Orleans got six sacks in the game on Pickett. You know, and so, like, this is one of those games where both offenses did not look very good. And New Orleans on the road. Now, this week, they, you know, they, they've got to, you know, they, they got to figure out. Again, Dennis Allen takes over, didn't have a good stint as a head coach at, at the Raiders. You know, is this all Dennis Allen's fault? Well, they don't have a quarterback and they got a ton of injuries. I don't know if it's all Dennis's fault. It's kind of hard. New Orleans went all in this offseason with those trades near the draft there, moving up to get Chris Olave. Olave's awesome, but the team is not. They're three and seven. They don't have a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, their quarterback, and he throws an interception. He doesn't make plays when they need to make plays. You know, I mean, Pittsburgh, are they any better than they were? I don't think so, no. but Tomlin off a week, home dog. It was a good spot there. New Orleans, their first round pick is going to go to the Philadelphia Eagles. And that pick right now, Michael, fourth overall. As the Eagles sit at 8-0. And we will talk about the Eagles on the other side as we preview Monday Night Football and hand out some hardware here on the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. All right, Michael, before we get to the Monday Night Football game, let's hand out some hardware here. And with our awards, who's going on the lamb? Well, I mean, I think this Browns defense, I mean, you got to feel for Joe Wood and, and the defense. They haven't really been able to get in. They couldn't stop them. Yesterday, they could, they never forced a punt in the game. You know, and everybody was on Cleveland. You know, it was funny. It was, I, I write down what I like at the beginning of the week. I liked Miami. And by the end of the week, I was on Cleveland. That's my own fault, right? And 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 I think to me, this this Browns defense is just not good enough. So you got to, you know, like, where are they going? I mean, you got all these players here, draft picks. When Ward came back, you had the clowny, you were rested, never got any pressure, never could stop the run. I mean, Browns haven't stopped the run all year. Got completely ran off of the field there. The Fred Palermo, best game plan of the week. Who's that going to? Well, I think you got to give it to Leftwich and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They, they executed. I mean, they finally got their run game going. 
They made, you know, Fournette didn't start. They kind of went with the younger with the younger back. They got their offensive line to kind of get things going. And Brady looked better when there's when he doesn't have to carry the whole team. Although that left which Leonard Fournette pass. Well, let's scrap that from the playbook. <laughs> let's yeah. not do it. Although it helped out our guy Tariq Woolen, who was our midseason defensive rookie of the year. I love that part. Uh, if you don't know, now you know. I don't think Buffalo's getting home field advantage, fam. I don't mm. see it. I mean, they're not even in first place in the East right now. I mean, the Jets have New England this week. Miami's on a bye. I mean, look, you know, you can't turn the ball over in the fourth quarter. They, You know, for people that had Buffalo in the 10 or the, you know, covering – the the Packers, which they did, that was a that they should have covered that game. You know, they turned it over twice in that game. They've turned it over in the fourth quarter. And now that weather's turning bad, when people can run the ball, now I don't think mm-hmm. really that was a one run game. But Buffalo's run defense has got to be concerning. You can't let that happen to you. Who gets the one seed then in the AFC? I think it's Kansas City. We'll have that discussion later on. David Ogilvy, biggest frauds. I mean, you got to say the Saints average four one a carry us, four one a play yesterday. I mean, they were three for twelve on third down against the Pittsburgh defense. That's not a Pittsburgh defense, even without Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, come on, yeah. you know they 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 they're 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 in the game at they're at ten ten at the half. They had thirty two rushes and completions for the entire game. They got out executed. Pittsburgh kept the ball for like thirty six minutes. They had eleven incompletions and they turned the ball over. I mean, the Saints offense, it's just not where it needs to be. There's no doubt. All right, Michael, before we get out of here, Monday Night Football, an NFC East showdown, Washington Commanders at the Philadelphia Eagles at our show sponsor, DraftKings Eagles, 10.5-point favorites, total 43.5. Do they go to 9-0 and tonight? Oh, I think they go to 9-0, and but I think it'll be – it should be a hard – I mean, I think Washington's playing better defense, right? Washington held what? They, they held Minnesota to 20 points. You know, they gave up 10 – they gave up uh, 13 in the fourth quarter against mm-hmm. them. They, they had a chance to win that game. They play better with Heineke. I don't think they can beat this Philadelphia team. I think Philly's untold secret is how good they are on defense. I would take the 11.5 if it gets to 12. I think it's a lot of points, fam. It's a lot of points. Chase Young, who they thought might come back for this game, it sounds like he's a week away, not going to be activated off of the IR there. And also Washington, a concern for them, banged up at linebacker. Cole Holcomb and David Mayo, both of those guys, are going to be out for tonight's game. So if you're banged up at linebacker against this Philly six-back offense, I don't know if I want to step in front of them with that situation being what it is. But, Michael, that does it for this week's edition of the podcast. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to VEASAN. Thank you to our producer, Stephen Bond, as always with us on the ones and twos. And subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you to all of our listeners and viewers. And, Michael, thank you to you. And I will talk to you on Thursday. All right, Femi. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you.